Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Are you guys ready for the word today? Amen. If you're ready for the word uh, online, leave us a comment and let us know. I'm excited about uh, sharing with you what is on my heart because uh, anytime you know, God speaks to me and deals with me about something, and in the case of today, reminds me of something that I already knew, you know, I believe that's a powerful moment that we all need to latch on. So I pray, even though you're online today, don't tune off, stay engaged, take notes, um, comment along with us. If something moves you and you want to add it to the comments, that'll be great. I'm going to pray one more time though, before we go to the word. So if you'll bow your heads with me, let's pray to our heavenly father. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. God, that's always true, always on time, always powerful, always mighty, and that when it comes forth, you said it will not return void. Lord, I thank you for that promise today, that your word comes out of my mouth today, that your promises and and, and your secrets are are, are, are become revelation to us today, that our lives and our, our, our minds and our hearts are changed by your spirit. God, we thank you for it, and we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you know, I know what happens after a Sunday like Agreement Sunday. And I think that's why I wanted, um, or why God wanted to, to, to say this to you today um, and why he put it on my heart. Because I, I know, and I've, I've been in a faith church for so many years, that when you have a Sunday like last Sunday, which by the way, if you're new and you don't know what Agreement Sunday is, it's a Sunday where we came together last week. We had, I mean, really a mighty, I mean, really one of the most powerful, um, I think one of the most potent services I think we've ever had at FWC Columbia. And and, um, I hate that those that are online couldn't get to experience the end because we ended the stream, but it felt like it just picked up momentum. The more we prayed for people, I had uh, one family come up to me afterwards. They said, you could cut the faith in the room with a knife. It was so palatable. I mean, you could just sense everyone's faith. And that's, that's the case. My wife and I talked for... Uh, so long after the service about all the families that came up and we prayed and we agreed with them and you could just sense the faith. You could just sense them, all of you, all of you believe in God for big things. I mean, just that this year I'm believing God for big, mighty things. But I know what happens when you believe God for big things, stuff comes up. Sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it's just life, but things come up and they challenge that faith. That faith gets challenged. At one time, this was, this was uh, I was sitting at the edge of my neighborhood, and I was, I was, uh, I'll say it this way, I was kind of letting out my frustration to God. And I, I had gotten upset about something, honestly, that was kind of silly. If I told you, it's a long story, if I told you all about it, you would think that was ridiculous. But I'd, I'd gotten upset about this thing, and it was on the verge of affecting my faith in a certain area. I'll just say it like that. And so I was, I was, I was emotional about it. I was, um, um, kind of in the, in the works. Has anybody ever been in the works? I mean, you're just, your, your emotions are up, you know, you're, you're trying to talk yourself down and you're just, you know, and so I, I, as I often do, I took a drive. I took a drive and I remember I was sitting at the edge of the neighborhood. I was about to turn out of the neighborhood and I was just kind of crying out to God, you know, just, just in frustration though, not in faith. I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to be completely transparent, zero faith in that moment. I just was, I was just mad and silly stuff. But anyways, I was mad and I was just, ah, you know, and this situation had happened that kind of sparked it. 
Anybody ever have like a tipping point, just a, a, a moment where it, it, it you know, there's, ah, I'm, I'm doing all right, I'm making it, but then there's like this tipping point. And you can allow these situations and these moments to tip you past where you need to be. You know what I mean? Tip you past what, where, where you, where you, uh, um, you know, like I said, almost into a point of unbelief or, or, or moving out of the realm of faith where I'm, I'm cause if you're, if I, if I had allowed myself, I wasn't frustrated with God. I was frustrated with the situation, but listen to me this morning. If you get frustrated with God, what you're essentially saying to him is I don't believe you anymore. You're not going to do what you said you would do. And your promises aren't actually true. And I'm frustrated that it hasn't come to pass. And I'm telling you this today, and I'm going to tell you what God told me, and it's the title of my message. But, but before I get to that, I, I feel like I'm telling you this today because whether you felt that way this week or this coming week or in the coming months, these things that you're believing for in your agreement card, there may be moments of challenge, whether it comes from the devil or from just situations or from the world or from your own, from your own doing. You may do things yourself that undo where your faith was. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you what God told me. I'm sitting there in my car. I'm letting it all out. I had been kind of quiet and somber in the house and just kind of dealing with it. And now I'm in the car. It's just me, God, in the steering wheel. I think I left handprints in the steering wheel. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm letting it out. I don't think I was crying, but I felt like it. But I also felt like punching the windshield. And all at the same time. And I'm, I'm telling y'all, as clear as you and I might speak, not that I heard the voice of God, but just in my spirit, God said this to me. What actually changed today? And I just sat there quiet. And then it became more clear to me what God was saying. He was saying, nothing that happened today changed me. Title of my message today is This Changes Nothing. This changes nothing. I mean, what actually changes in these moments? When you have that moment of frustration, of mad, or what, what actually, I mean, I'm talking about in the spiritual realm, what actually changed? Because we know, and I've preached on it, and this is not the sermon today, but we know what moves God. We know what moves in the, in the spiritual realm, and that's faith. And so when you get in these, in these times where you're allowing situations and circumstances, to, you, you actually can move yourself out of the arena of faith. And, and here's what God showed me. Nothing changed for him. Like he didn't change. Like he, has, he didn't change one bit. You changed. Your, your situation or your circumstance might have changed, but he didn't change. Like he didn't move. Look at Hebrews, Hebrews uh, 13, Hebrews 13, 8 and 9. And what does it tell us? In verse 8, it says that Jesus Christ is the same. Everybody say the same. Put that in the comments. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same. He was the same when you woke up this morning. He'll be the same when you go to bed. He's going to be the same tomorrow. He's going to be the same next week. God is the same. And his, his purposes, his, his uh, promises, his word, they are the same. And so when you, 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 what, I, what I've learned is best is for you to prepare yourself for those moments today. 
Like I said, you may be feeling fine. You may have already had some things off of your agreement card happen this week, and you're riding cloud now, and you're like, man, God is moving. God is making things happen. Well, praise God. I, and I believe that, that you can continue to go. The Bible says that you go from glory to glory to glory. I don't, I, don't, I don't live by the mantra, though, oh, well, I, listen, I know that life will come at me, but I believe as soon as life comes at me, I can overcome it. Because that's what the Bible says. And that's what I'm telling you is that I stand on God's word in that way, and I've trained myself to, to, to man, I may have a moment like that, but it's going to be as short as humanly possible. It's going to be as short because I can't stay there. And so he told me, God, I mean, really, I mean, it was super clear, What? What? Please. T- it was almost like he said, please tell me what changed. Please tell me how I, I mean, because, because you were believing me for blah, 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 blah. And you think because that such and such happened that I, I changed. I mean, this is not, no, this is just my interpretation at this point. This is, but this is kind of how I was, I was feeling. And so then I began to pray differently. I began to let my spirit Pray. I begin to let it come out of me and I begin to say things in faith. God, I know that nothing that happened today changed you. I know that your word is always true. God, I know that you are always for me. God, I know that you're, that, that, that my faith in, is working and that when my faith stands, you will always do your part. And I begin to pray like that and it changed. Here's what's amazing. You ready? It actually changed my emotional state. So my emotional state, because now my mind and my, my spirit came alive, then I, I, I fed that. I allowed myself to pray. I began to pray in the spirit and pray in tongues. I began to activate my spirit at the highest level I could, and my emotional state came back to where it should have been. By the time I got back home, back to normal. Nobody knew anything different. I mean, really. This is how, this is how we've got to train ourselves. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight, that we live by faith, that we, that we, uh, um, our life has to be by faith. I want to give you a couple principles to, to go by. And we're going to look at a couple points in the Bible that I think where God, um, outlined these, these types of circumstances, but I want to make it a little bit more palatable because I've said things like this before, but today I want to break it down a little bit. Is that okay with you? Number one, I want to tell you to set your expectations on God. I even wrote beneath that, nothing else. Set your expectations on God. Now, again, you've got to make a point to do this like today and tomorrow and when you wake up. That's why, that's why morning, morning prayer time and, and, you know, we've made such a good habit with my family. Um, of course, we, we split up. Natalie takes um, Kaylee to school. I take Josh and Madison with me. But Madison, I make her pray every morning before we go to school. And now she gets used to it because there's a certain point where we get on our drive. It's a short drive, but she knows there's going to be no music because she loves music in the car. I don't know about your kids, but I mean, it, I'm barely buckling her in. And she's, she's giving me the DJ playlist. Daddy, can we have such and such song? And then I want to hear such and such song. And then after that, I want to play such and such song. And she's got her whole like morning playlist. But she knows when we hit that certain moment, we turn uh, right, it's right up here, and we turn right towards her preschool, the music comes down, and we pray. What does that do? It helps set my, our expectations on God, because I'm not praying, a, oh, well, God, you know, if it's your will to keep my daughter safe. No, I know it's his will. Like, like I know his word, and his word says that I'll put my angels encamped around you. 
That, that I'll, I'll put a hedge of protection about you. That, that, God, that he cares about the hair on my head. You know what he said to Matthew? He said, listen, if God will take care of the sparrows in the field, if he'll take care of the grass, if he'll make sure that the world sets in motion, he will take care of you. I start my day that way. And so does Madison. And Joshua, he just, you know, he'll say amen at the end of it. That's about all he's got right now. But that's how we, I mean, it's a short moment. I mean, it's not that long. I mean, she probably prays about 30 seconds. I'll finish it up up until we get to school, you know, another three or four minutes or whatever. I mean, really, that's, that's about it. But I, we start our day with an expectation. God is for me. God's going to take care of us. God's going to protect us. God's going to keep us safe. My expectation. Now, I don't wait. Here's why I'm telling you this. I don't wait until the school calls me. Do you hear me online today? Don't wait until the calamity happens. Oh, oh, wait a second. Where is my expectation supposed to be? Oh, wait, I need some, I need some scripture. And let me get my Bible out. No, you've got to start your day that way, baby. You've got to start day. I mean, as soon as you can. Because as you go through the day, when those things begin to happen to you, you can just realign. It's like aligning your car. I, I, I don't know why I never did this when I was younger, but I learned over the last seven or eight years, the value of aligning your car. It makes your tires go further. It makes your uh, 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 system work better, everything. And, and, you know, you can pay like a lifetime. I do the lifetime alignment so that every time I go, I get it aligned. Every time I get my oil change, alignment. If it gets way out of line in between an oil change, no problem. I already paid for it. Just hop in there. Can you align my car, please? Because it makes uh, the driving experience better. When you are going through your day, it's really hard to come from left field and get back on the railroad tracks. It's much easier to say, wait a second, no, I started my day with an expectation. And now I'm just going to realign it. I got a little off for a second, I got a little frustrated or whatever, and I'm going to realign it. Does that make sense? Set your expectations, and I, again, nothing else. My expectations are on God. I'm not going to set my expectations uh, um, on uh, you know, my job's going to make me happy today. No, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And the Bible says that when I set my, when, when I determine that to, to have not only, of course, we know we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, but when I have communion with him and fellowship with him, that his joy comes. And I, I tell you, I, happiness is fleeting. But joy, I mean, I mean, real joy. Like, like, I mean, we're going we're gonna to determine to have some joy in our house. We're going to be joyful. And so we need to set our expectations of God. Look at Matthew 24, 35. Matthew 24, 35, it says this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Things are going to fade Things are going to transition. Things are going to change. But God says that his word will never pass away. That means when you set your, when I say set your expectations on God, another way we could word that is set your expectation on his word. Because he said his word will never pass away. So, but, but again, when do we do that? Not, I mean, yes, it's fine to do it after the fact. I'm not condemning you for that. But it's much better to start your day. Start your week. Start, that's why we did this at the beginning of the year. We don't do agreement Sunday in June. 
I mean, if everybody wasn't on vacation, we would do it the first Sunday of the year, but y'all are all gone and, and you know, at the lake. <laughs> so we got to do it the second Sunday when everybody's back and kids are back in school and all that. It also gives us an opportunity to, to teach on it a little bit and prepare you for it. Number two, believe unlimited. Believe unlimited, not limited. Let me tell you something, and I would write this down as well. When you serve an unlimited God, he does unlimited things. And far too often, we set our expectations on limited things. Like, like you look at someone, do not, listen to me, listen to me online. Do not set your expectation based on someone else's natural results. You're going to have, you're going to have natural results if that's your expectation. If you think that you are limited by their, what they produced in the natural, no, sir, you serve a supernatural God. He does supernatural things. He goes above and beyond. You don't base your, uh, um, uh, outcome. Oh man. Well, well, I just, I just hope I can get to such and such. No, God wants to supersede. He's a supernatural God. You don't know what. That's why you can't compare your, your life to other people. And by the way, when you do that, when you compare your life to their social media feeds and their Instagram and their, you are comparing your whole life to their highlight reel. You're comparing your life to their, to their best of the best and their, the, just what they want you to see. And so you can't, that's not even a fair comparison. Because you didn't see what they had to go through to get there, what they had to sacrifice to get there, what they had to do. Well, I mean, what kind of what did that cost them? You have no idea. Paul said, you run your race. You run your race. Run your race. Stop focusing on everybody else's race when you're not even running yours. And, and here's the bad part about that is when we when we get off focus that way. Uh, when our, our focus gets off on someone else's, then we lose the aspect of that God is unlimited. Like, he's not limited to the same results that so-and-so got. He's not, now you can limit yourself to that, but he's unlimited. I, like, he has, the Bible says he owns the cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills. What does that mean? He owns it all, baby. He owns it all. Like, he's not limited by your job. He's not limited by your current bank account status. He's not limited by your credit score. He's not limited by your health status. He's not limited by your doctor. He's not limited by your family. Listen, this might hurt. I'm not trying to be offensive here, but he's not limited by your spouse. He's not limited. He's not limited because you're single. He's not limited. God is, I want y'all to say that with me and put it in the, in the comments. Say, God is unlimited. God is unlimited. You could put like, how many syllables is that? Put as many syllables on it as you can. Unlimited. I think that's at least one extra syllable. Don't look and see what's in the natural realm and think that's all there is. You know, when you, when you see someone uh, um, achieve something, achieve a status or whatever, again, you're looking in the natural realm. But we know that God works in the supernatural realm. The natural realm, and I'm talking about just the things that we see with our own eyes, like God's working behind the scenes. See, in, in 2 Kings, there was a, a, um, a prophet, and, and he, and he um, had a, a, a guy helping him, and the guy went out, and he was alarmed because there were, there were uh, uh, enemies all about. And Elijah prayed and said, God, let him see what I see. 
And he sent the servant back out. And the servant went back out. And when he went back out, he saw the angels' armies all surrounded their enemies. See, when you're looking around at your situation, you've got to begin to see by faith God's working in the spirit. I hope you're quiet because you're getting it. I hope you're quiet because you're writing things down. I hope you're getting this online today. You have to not be limited in your sight to just what you see in the natural. Because our faith should say, God's working behind the scenes. God, listen, when I pull up to the school, I'm talking about Madison again, when, I, when we pray, I, don't, I have yet to see an angel at her preschool. But I pray for him every day. Because the Bible says to, 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 to loose that, to, to send. I, I don't have to see an angel to believe that God's got angels at that door. I don't, I don't know. I don't care where they're at. They can be at the front door, in the classroom, outside the classroom, in the hallway, on top of the building, sitting down on the grass. They can be making invisible snow angels. I don't care. But I know there's angels there. I know they are. By faith, I know they are. I don't have to see them because I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not limited by the natural realm. I'm not going to leave her school in fear because I didn't see an angel. I prayed. I believed. That's it. God's word says it. I believe it. That settles it. Why don't we say that again? And I know I've had you type a lot. I hope your fingers are burning from all the typing. But no, say this with me. Say God's word says it. So I believe it. And that settles it. James 1.17. James 1.17 says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God doesn't change. Another translation says that he doesn't shift or doesn't change like shifting shadows. Now notice this. In Matthew 14, we see Peter walk on the water. But first, before Peter walked on the water, what happened? Jesus walked on the water. Jesus walked in the water. And so he came up and they, they, they saw him. They didn't know what to expect. Let's just look at this real quick and just read through this. I want you to realize what happened to Peter. And I want you to determine in your heart today, you will not allow it to happen to you. Immediately, this is verse 22, Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. Everybody say there. There. Where was Jesus? He was alone, still on dry land. He had sent the disciples on a mission. Everybody say mission. He had told them to do what? To go to the other side. But he's still on dry land. Notice this. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, Walking on the sea, he saw them. Now, uh, uh, other books of the uh, the other um, uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all cover their synoptic gospels, and the other ones say that he saw them. That he saw them. Listen, Jesus sees what you're going through. It doesn't change him. He's not. He's not changed because you see. He came to them. Because that was a part of the plan. Like Jesus didn't disrupt his plan because all of a sudden there's waves and there's a storm and there's 
the sea and there's the boats rocking. It says, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But notice what happens here. I want you guys to see what happens when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and put his eyes on the storm. When he took his eyes off of the one who told him to come, he took his eyes off of the word of the Lord, he took his eyes off of the calling, he took his eyes off of the vision, he took his eyes off and it says, and when Peter uh, um, had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. He became afraid. He became fearful. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Peter started sinking because he took his eyes off. Because he began to focus on the limited instead of the unlimited. Because he took his eyes off the one who, who said, it doesn't matter that there's water and waves. and all. If I tell you to come, you can come. See, in the natural realm, your mind says, how on earth can I walk on water? How on earth can I not? The winds are boisterous. It looks like I'll never make it. It looks like I'm going to sink. It looks like I'm going to die. It looks like I'm going to crash. It looks like whatever. And God's saying, come. Come. Like, like I've got you. You can do this. I mean, he didn't put Philippians 4.19 in there in the Bible just because he felt like it was a good little tagline to put on your wall and on your decor and on the inside of your ring and on the inside of your necklace. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it looks really nice on your door and attached to your wreath. No, he put it in there because he believes it. Because you can do all things through him. And when he says come, you can come. You can walk on the water. I know you're like, oh man, but can I really? He said you can move mountains. Like, do we believe God's word or not? My uncle is a financial advisor, a good one, owns a successful business. If he were to write me and say, hey, buy this stock, do this, move your investments here, whatever, I'm listening to him. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I'm, uh, yes, sir. What you, okay, where do I do? What's it called? Got it. Now, wouldn't it be silly if I started texting, ask me if I'm a financial expert? No. I, I, I do a really good budget. That's about it. I'm really good at budgeting. I got a good budget. That's about it. I don't know stocks. I don't know bonds. I don't know investments. If he tells me to invest, if he says, wait, if he says, yeah, I got it. Yes, sir. All right. What, what do we, what do, you know, what do I need to do? Where do I need to sign? How do I move it? What do we, because he's an expert. My dad, insurance, sold insurance uh, since before I was born. If he says something about insurance, I believe it. My mom, medical industry. She says something, whatever along those lines, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to take her at her at word. If we'll do these things in the natural realm, can you imagine if I text my uncle back and if he, if he said something like that and I text him now, uh, now what do you really know about such and such stuff? 
I mean, this is a lot of money we're talking about here. I mean, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure about that? I mean, after, I mean, I'm sure he might be patient the first time, but if, if every time he said something, I question him, he eventually he's going to stop texting me. Eventually he's going to stop me. Now, 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 God's not like that, thankfully, but I'm trying to give you a point. You go to a mechanic and the mechanic, I mean, of course, we probably do argue with mechanics, but you at least know that they're, they're experts in their field. And that unless they're trying to rip you off, which I believe most are honest and not trying to do that, that they're going to, if they tell you, you need to change your tires, change your tires. If they tell you you need a, a, an air cabin filter, get one. If you'll do that in the natural, why are you questioning God? You're like, well, I'm not. I'm not questioning God. Yet, every time you doubt, every time you get in your emotions and you say, oh, I don't know how, you're texting God back and saying, now what exactly do you know about Now, what happens if I, are you really sure? God, God is so sure about his word. He made his son the word and sent him to die for you. God is so sure of his word. That's why he said his word will never turn void. His word cannot fail. It doesn't work because you don't allow it to. It doesn't work because of other circumstances that we, but his word always comes true. You might get frustrated before you ever, you might get uh, um, out of, out of, uh, into doubt and unbelief before it ever comes to pass. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to cry out. He said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and he called him and said to him, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And then when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you're the son of God. God saves us. He's merciful. He's gracious. That day, like I said, I'm not sure if I actually got into doubt and unbelief, but God saved me. He saved me. He, he helped me make sure that I didn't mess up what he was working on. He'll do the same for you. But start your day. Number one, set your expectations. Number two, believe unlimited. Don't be limited by the, by the natural realm. Look at this uh, in Numbers 13. And we're going we're to wrap up with this. Numbers 13. I didn't pull this on the screen there. You don't, you, you, everybody can follow along. I, we don't have this one on the screen, but you'll be okay. Numbers 13. I'm going to kind of skip around anyways. It's actually Numbers 13 and 14. And the Israelites were about to enter the promised land. And so they're about to enter the promised land. And, and Moses gets a word from the Lord. Notice what happens in Numbers 13. Um, the first couple of verses there. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving. Everybody say giving. Which I am giving to the children of Israel. He was in the process of giving it to them. He was, he was literally in the process. I'm not an English major, but y'all help me out. Is that past, present, or future tense? Present. He was in the process of giving. I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man. And he goes on to explain how, how they should uh, pick these spies. 
So Moses picks the 12 spies. They pick one from each tribe. Um, and and the, the Bible goes through. He outlines all, all of the spies and their names and all that stuff. In verse 21, we see they went out and they spied the land. But jump down to verse 27. Because they came back to Moses. They came back to Aaron. They came back to the congregation to tell the children of Israel who were out in the wilderness, what happened. And in verse 27, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, you need to remove nevertheless from your vocabulary. Nevertheless, cost them the promised land. Nevertheless, That's what we say all the time. Oh, well, God made me a promise and agreement suddenly happened and we prayed and we believed. Oh, and God moved in that place. But nevertheless, my job just called and I lost my job. I guess I won't see that increase I'm believing for. And that's where we end. And that's what you'll see. Nevertheless, cost them the promise. And watch, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites. Listen, if you've got to keep going on and on and on about all the reasons why God can't do something, just stop. I mean, look at all the excuses they had to come up with of why God could not. He was in the process of giving them the land. And they came up, well, there's this excuse. And if it's not the Jebusites, well, then it's the Hittites. If it's not the Hittites, well, then it's the Amalekites. Well, if it's not the Jebusites, then it's the Amorites. And, oh, don't forget about the Canaanites. Oh, and they're big. Oh, and these are strong. And these walls are fortified. They, they sound like a lot of Christians that I hear sometimes that don't know the Bible enough to realize that God is not limited by fortified walls. God's not limited by giants. God's not limited by anybody that ends with sights. Look this, look at this, look at this, look at this. Are you all ready for this? Verse 30. Can you get to verse 30 with me? Come here, look at this. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. What boldness. I mean, he stood up and said, hey, y'all, y'all, shut up. <laughs> y'all probably couldn't hear on the crowd mics, but somebody told me to say it, so I said it. I know I probably shouldn't have said it, but he said, be quiet. Be quiet. And said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, no. And they began to go back and forth, right? And the men said, no, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Caleb and Joshua were the only two that stood up and said, no, no, we are well able to do this. God, God promised this to us. God, God, this is what God promises. It doesn't matter what we've seen. It doesn't change. This changes nothing, guys. This changes nothing. This changes nothing about what happened yesterday. This changes nothing about what God told us years ago. This changes nothing about what, have you forgotten what God did us to get here? What God's done for us to get us here? Have you forgotten? Caleb said, we are well able. And they went on and on. And in verse 14, we see, uh, or excuse me, chapter 14, we see that, uh, 
um, uh, Moses went back and forth and the congregation, they all lifted up their voices. Moses and Aaron cried out before God in verse 14, 5. Verse 6, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of um, Jephunneh, who were among those who had spotted the land, they tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel. And they said, notice their faith. Notice their faith. Notice they didn't waver. Notice they didn't change. Notice that they realized that although everybody else is in turmoil, now you see that this is in verse 14, seven, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And then he quotes. This is why I'm telling you to have a word. Obviously, they latched on to this, a land that flows with milk and honey. They latched on to that. You know what I mean? Like that was something that they didn't let go. They quoted it before. They quoted the beginning. This is something that God, it wasn't just some uh, pretty calligraphy. It wasn't just a, a, a quote that, well, my mama said it and, and her grandmama, I mean, she had it on her tombstone. And so I just, you know, no, they believed it. When you, when you take God's word and don't just quote it, I said this last Wednesday and I hope you'll get it. Don't, you can't just quote scripture that you don't believe. You have to actually believe it. It's our faith that, that, that brings it to fruition. And so they said and they quoted God's word back, back to the people, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor, feel, nor fear. So he begins to give them instruction. He begins to preach to them. Don't rebel and don't fear. Listen to this. They are our bread. He was literally saying, we're going to devour them. You cannot allow your situation, circumstances, and especially the devil to devour you when it's your bread. Like you, should, you, should be, you should be devouring what's standing in your way. And I'm talking about spiritually. I'm not talking about a battle you've got to fight. I'm talking about spiritually. The Bible says in Isaiah that when we get to heaven one day, that we'll literally look at the devil and say, it was him? Like, it was, wait a, wait a, wait a second, that guy? The Bible literally says it was this guy who, who des destroyed the world and who tried to destroy nations and who disrupted my life, that we're going to stand there in heaven one day and see Satan and go, I let that puny little piece of you-know-what wreck my life? I was going to say crap, by the way. I wasn't going to say anything else. All right? Don't let your minds go there. You're like, oh, what was Pastor going to say there? There are bread. Caleb and Joshua told him, there are bread, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You've got, again, when you, when you start your day the way I'm encouraging, encouraging you to, it reminds you from the onset of your day that God's with you. 
I don't know where they went wrong. I could probably get into a whole lot of philosophy and theology on where I think that the other 10 went wrong and all those kinds of thoughts. But the point is, is that their lack of faith, their doubt, their rebellion against what God had promised to them cost them the promised land. If you go on and you read through all this, I don't have time, but read it. What happened was, is not, I mean, not only them, but Moses, they didn't even get to see the promised land. It was Caleb, Joshua, and their children, the other children. They didn't go in. Their children got to go in. They didn't even get to set foot in what God had already promised them. I'm going to end with this story, Brother Andre. You can come up. There was a man who, and this is supposedly a true story. There was a man who, who, who uh, took a boat across from the uh, UK. This was back in like the 1800s or something like that. Like back when they had steamboats or something like that. And he's taking the steamboat and he's going from um, the UK or something like that. He's driving over to America in the boat. Or he's not driving, he's riding. And what he had done is he had sent his family over ahead of time. He stayed back to get the funds. He didn't have the money. They were, they were barely making it. They knew that they could do better in America. And so... He sent his family across. He wrapped up his, his things there in, in his, uh, for his previous country. And he got all of his um, um, uh, finances in order. He bought the boat ticket, got enough water and crackers for the trip, and boarded the boat. And so the boat set sail, and finally he's on his way to America. He's going to the, to the promised land, so to speak. And he's going, and as he's going on this boat, he just, he just is living off of crackers and water. And he's like trying to ration it because, you know, back in the day, it wasn't like you had a GPS and you could log on your little TV screen in your, in your reclining airport seat. Do you ever do that when you're flying on an airplane and you watch the plane? You ever do that and you, you, can, see, you can see a map on the plane. You can see like, oh, well, look, we've got two hours and 13 minutes left in our flight. And you can watch the plane fly over. It's really cool. They didn't have that. And so he's sitting in there. And finally, the last day, the captain comes to his, his cabin. Knocks on the door, and he says, hey, sir, how you doing? He says, man, I'm doing great. I heard we're almost there. I'm really excited. He said, yeah. He said, well, one more day, and we'll be there tomorrow. He said, I was concerned. The captain said, I was concerned. Are you okay? The guy said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I, I just, you know, I'm just ready to get there. He said, yeah, I know, but, but we haven't seen you. And the guy said, well, I just, I, I've been here in the cabin because I've, I had my food in here, and I've just kind of just limited myself in, in, to my cabin. He said, no, you don't understand. We've been missing you at dinner every night. And he said, he said, he said, well, I didn't have money for dinner. And the captain walked up to him and said, no, no, show me your ticket. And he took the ticket out and showed it to the captain. The captain flipped over the ticket and said, included in the price of your ticket is seating at the captain's table for dinner every night. And he didn't even know it. He didn't have the promise readily available to him to make it a part of what he could have. He didn't even realize what had been promised to him. He didn't even realize what. That's, I, I, I do my best to try to give you the word, give, tell you and quote scripture because I don't want you. You cannot have faith in me. You cannot have faith even in, in, in my testimonies, the things that I've told you God's done. You've got to have it for yourself. That God promised this to me. Uh, if you're watching online today, I want you to point yourself. Everybody in this room, point at yourself. Say, God's promises are for me. They are yes and amen. What God promised me, he'll do. What God orders, 
He pays for. God doesn't miss a beat. He doesn't skip a beat. He's not changed by what happens to me. He's not changed by what surrounds me. The world does not change him. So I'm going to not let it change me. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray this inspires you today. This changes nothing. This changes nothing. When you get, and I, I, listen, I've been there. I know you're going to have things. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. And I quote these scriptures all the time, right? But that doesn't mean that you have to allow the rain to flood you out. Because the rest of that scripture says that, yes, it rains on the just and the unjust. And it may rain on you, but the Lord shall deliver me from them all. As soon as it starts raining, I get my deliverance boat ready. As soon as it starts, as soon as a, a cloud starts forming, I start figure, I start, I start quoting scripture. I start reminding myself, I'm not going to get, I mean, it may rain on me, but I'm not drowning. It may rain on me. I'm not getting struck by lightning. Like, well, man, that's a mighty bold thing. I mean, how can you, how can you say that? Y'all don't, like, like, a, when, listen, y'all, y'all better hope I'm on your plane because my plane's not going down. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go through life scared of what's happening around me when I know God's promises. I know what's on the back of my ticket. I'm eating at the captain's dinner table every night. I'm eating steak and filet mignon and lobster tails and whatever he's eating, I'm eating. He promised it to me. He promised it to me. It's not something that I get to wonder if maybe, no. He, his promises aren't special for, for, for a pastor or somebody who's super anointed or, or somebody who, who, you know, if their hair is just right, their clothes are just right. John 3.16 says that he so loved God so loved the world, he gave his son. And, and many denominations, they, they, they only focus on the eternal part. That the Bible is just, just an eternal, you know, translation. That it just, it just gets us from this earth to eternity in heaven. That is part of it, no doubt. The most important part that we spend eternity in heaven. Got it. But he also said in John 10.10, 10, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He, he said that, that in this life, You'll be blessed. He told the disciples that you'll be blessed in this life and the life to come. When you give up things for me, I'll give you stuff in this life and the one to come. Why did Jesus take time to tell him about the sparrows in the field and say, man, if God cares about all of that, don't you think he cares about you? Because God actually cares about this life too. He wants you to be blessed in this life too. He wants you to... to, to, to have a testimony in your mouth and have a, 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 a realization of who God is so that you want to share him with others. When I have a bad experience at a restaurant, I, I, like, I don't want to tell anybody about it. You know what I mean? Because I don't really want to talk bad about the restaurant because they might be good people. So I just keep my mouth shut. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Somebody will say, oh, we're going to so-and-so to eat. You know, I'm not going to tell them, well, last time I went there, you know, there was a roach or what? No, I'm just kidding. There wasn't. I, I've never had that happen around here. But no, I mean, I, but when there's a, a good, 
like good experience, like man, the food was awesome and the waiters were great and the experience was, and, and, and oh, it was just a fantastic experience. My kids loved it. And this, I tell everybody, you don't have to tell me you're going there. I'll let you know, hey, have you tried such and such? Have you tried going to that restaurant? Oh, it's really good. Let me tell you where it's at. It's over there. Make sure you turn left and not right. Get a good parking spot and go ahead and go early so that you don't get in the wait and you can check in on their app. And sometimes they'll give you discounts on the app. I'll tell you all about it. Make sure you get Bob. He's a really good waiter. I'll tell you all about it. God wants you to have such, a, he wants to bless your socks off so that you can't help but go into your workplace and say, oh man, you won't believe what God did for me yesterday. They'll be like, oh, I didn't even know you were saved. I know I hadn't talked about God ever before in my workplace, but he's been so good to me. I got to just tell you. I got to just tell you about how good he is. I got I to gotta let you know. You got to come to my church. You got to hear. You got to have your faith built like mine. You got to come. Or do you, are you going to church? You got a church? Y'all got to learn that question. Ask them. When you find, meet somebody around town, ask them, do you have a church? Everybody, I mean, nine times out of ten, no. Uh, and let me, let me help you. When they say, well, we've been attending, that means no. Now, if someone has a church, we're not church stealers. Don't steal them from their church. But if they're looking for a church, invite them. Get these invite cards and keep them in your pocket. Tell them and have a testimony. Man, you won't believe what God's done for me, how God's changed my life through this ministry. And it's not just about this church. There's plenty of good Holy Ghost churches, but I'm just making a point to tell you that when you have a good experience with God, He does that. He blesses you because He wants you to tell others. He wants you to tell others. He wants you to not be stuck in the wilderness like the 10 spies, but to walk into the promised land like Caleb and Joshua. So keep your confession right. Set your day. Set your day. Set your expectations on God and believe unlimited. Believe unlimited. Stand up on your feet. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for everybody who's in this room for everybody who's heard this word today. Lord, I, I stand on your promise that when a word like this comes forth, I know that it'll be scattered among many grounds, but I believe that they'll receive this word today, that it'll change your life. That when we face unforeseen circumstances and things come up, that it, we know this changes nothing with you this changes nothing with you that you're not changing like shifting shadows you're the same yesterday today and forever God bless them as they leave here watch over them and protect them keep them safe let them be the head and not the tail let them be above and not under watch over them put your angels encamped around them God I thank you for what you're doing in our church and in our family members. God, in this weather, keep everyone safe. Keep power on in their homes. Or when everybody else's power may go down, Lord, keep theirs on. Let them not lose heat, not lose uh, 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 anything as a result of this storm or the one that may potentially come this Friday. We thank you for it. We stand on your promises. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you guys. I love y'all so much. My wife and I are so proud to be, to lead this church.
We love y'all. Have a great day. For those of you online, thank you for joining us. Warm up, and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Or if you're a youth, we'll see you Tuesday at 7. God bless you guys. We love you.